Hello, my friends. You are listening to the Shine at Work podcast, formerly known as Getting Off the Hamster Wheel. I'm your host, Karen Weeks. I'm a transformational career coach who helps career-oriented humans get unstuck and find and be successful in careers that bring them joy, fulfillment, and success. I believe you should actually love what you do, even on the bad days, that you can find a career that lights you up because, spoiler alert, it impacts how bright you shine in your whole life. Every week, I talk to someone who felt stuck in their job and found a way to build a career that was right for them, because I know how that feels when your light is dim. I made a career change from theater to HR and now coaching, and at times in my life, I've had to look inside to see what was important, what made me shine bright, and make adjustments along the way. It's possible. I did it, my guests did it, and I help others do it. I hope you walk away from each episode, not just inspired, but with some actionable advice. And I hope you find it so valuable that you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and tell your friends, because we all deserve to shine bright in our lives, specifically at work. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. One quick announcement before we jump into this week's episode. I want to chat with all you managers listening out there today, or those HR partners who work with managers. This September, I'm starting the next cohorts for my two manager group programs, No matter where you are in your management journey, I'm here to help. My new manager transformation program runs for 90 days starting mid-September. With weekly training modules and worksheets, we will meet as a group to discuss key manager skills like hiring, giving feedback, driving results through others, and managing up. We will also do on-the-spot coaching for your current challenges that week, and we'll have one-on-one sessions during the program. You will go from rockstar individual contributor to results-driven, people-focused manager. And for those of you who have been managers for a little while, I know you come across challenges that you've not experienced before and are working to get to that next step in your leadership career. So for six months, we'll meet as a group every other week to work through your current challenges and talk through advanced level management skills like strategic thinking and planning and leading through change. We'll also have monthly one-on-one sessions to tackle your tough management challenges and fast track your next step into leadership. Let's connect directly to chat more about how we can work together on your management transformation and help you shine as a leader. Email me directly at karen at karendweeks.com to talk more. Now onto our regularly scheduled programming. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so excited to have Angelica with us today. Um, She and I have known each other sort of virtually, um, but really excited to share her story and get to know her a lot better today. So first of all, I'm just going to let her introduce herself and we'll go from there. So say hi and share a little bit about uh, your background. Hi everyone, my name is Angelica. I am currently an HR generalist at RAP, which is a marketing and advertising company. And it's been quite a journey to get here. It was not on my list growing up to be in human resources, but here I am and I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know many people who might grow up thinking they want to do human resources. Maybe they're out (laughs) there, but I haven't heard that that often. Um, But you never know. Um, So speaking of that, let's rewind a little bit and go back to, you know, when you were first starting your adult life, maybe you were in school, what did you think you wanted to do if it wasn't human resources? Yeah, growing up, I always thought I would be a veterinarian. I really Mm -hmm. loved animals. And I ended up going to Smith College in Massachusetts. And the way they had it set up was you could go to the different five colleges. So UMass, Amherst, Amherst College, 
And I actually went to UMass and took an animal science class because I wanted to see, you know, what it was about. Smith didn't have that. And it was there that I learned that perhaps I'm not as interested in animals as I thought I was, Um, you know, having to do different tests and things like that on them was just a a moment in time where I realized, hmm, okay, maybe this isn't exactly what I thought I wanted to do. Um, And I majored in anthropology. So I've always been very interested in the ways that people work, how they view the world, their culture, how that culture impacts the way that they interact. And at the time that I graduated, I really didn't have an idea of what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to graduate school or not at that time. I ended up coming back home to California and I sort of fell into police dispatching, as weird as that is. I never thought I would be a dispatcher, but um, my mom was the one who actually found me the job description and I applied and I've made it through the training and did that for close to four years. Wow. So first of all, um, I know so many people who say, I thought I was going to do this as my major. And then I had to take a couple of classes in it. And I said, oh no, that's a lot of stuff I didn't realize was included. <laughs> yeah. And, no, thank you. So, um, but what I think is really interesting is that you then went into a field where, like you said, you know, figuring out how people work together or live together or just sort of communicate and, and be together. Because obviously fast forward all these years, that's so much of what we do in HR is mm-hmm. that culture piece. So so we'll get to that, but it's interesting. You've actually started laying those foundations without probably even realizing it. So, so police work, super interesting. <laughs> um, are you allowed to share like funny calls that you got, uh, as that you're allowed to, to tell the public about. (laughs) Yeah. So we got a little bit of everything. We, I worked for a large metropolitan city in the Bay area. And so, um, we had calls about people who actually called 911 for directions. You know, you would answer the phone and I think say 911 emergency. And they'd be like, how do I get here? And you'd be like, I'm sorry. what you want map directions and they'd be like yeah I want map directions or um you know sometimes people call 911 about the dog barking because that that can get a little annoying Mm -hmm. if your neighbor's dog is constantly barking but those aren't emergencies and (laughs) they were a nice kind of break between the actual emergencies we dealt with I bet I I mean four years of hearing some people at their worst I can't mm-hmm. imagine what a toll that must have taken on you. That's a long time to do that job, I would think. It is. And it, it definitely does take a toll. It, it definitely helped me see things a lot differently in life. I was young. I was fresh out of college. And it really gave me that whole worldview that I really didn't have. I saw the different lived experiences that people had that maybe I didn't have. Or I learned how to really talk to people because... You know, we're not looking at each other. We're not facing each other. We're just voices on the phone connecting. And you have to really understand how to, how to get to what people need and how to understand what they want. So, yeah, especially if people are calling in sort of a more heightened state, you know, Mm -hmm. they're probably not communicating the best because they're going through whatever they're going through. So you have to sort of figure out how to understand and get to what they're actually trying to to tell you if they even know. Um, So with all of that experience under your belt, did you think about taking that 
somewhere and kind of following that through line or were you saying that's it, it was amazing from a like experience standpoint but too much I need to figure something else out yeah you know I I thought about going into leadership there but to be honest I I always felt like there was something more that I wanted to do I knew that I wanted to get my graduate degree and I knew that the, the job was taking a toll on me just emotionally, physically yeah. with all of the different time changes for shifts. And so um, I really just kind of got to a point where I also noticed that the turnover was very high and that was impacting me as an employee as well. And I started to find myself questioning, you know, why are people leaving so much? Yeah. Why, it, you know, it's not just that people don't want to be here. It's that there's something going on here. And I realized that I wanted to start taking those questions and learning about them and pushing them more in a place that would want to know the answers. And so I decided at that time that it was time for me to pursue something else. I wasn't sure at that time what it was, but I wanted to research and, and find out. Very interesting. It's when you're in a situation and you're trying to figure out the why it's interesting to then learn that why. And for those people who then say, how could I impact that? Like, how could I have changed that? And not that that was your role, obviously at the dispatch, but it's, again, it starts to show how all of these things are starting to piece together. Even if in the moment you have no idea that that's actually what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when I made the shift uh, into HR, I had no idea how to articulate what I did other than I was a stage manager or I worked for a talent agent. But as I described it to others, they said, oh, you're creating a shared experience. You're helping people with their careers. I never would have used that language if I hadn't heard someone else say it. But, you know, the fact that you were trying to think about why is there turnover or what is leading people to want to leave the communication pieces, like you're already putting the bricks together, even if at the moment you didn't realize it. It's fascinating to look back now and, and, and realize that. Yeah, absolutely. So did you end up going to school for further education? I did. I ended up looking up, you know, I actually researched what human resources did because mm. at the time, all I really had as far as a relationship with them was they were there when I was hired. They were there when I left. Mm-hmm. I know that they were there when people were fired. I know that sometimes they were there when people were disciplined or mm-hmm. if there was like an investigation, but I always wondered what did HR actually do? And so I ended up researching it and I found Southern New Hampshire University's program Mm -hmm. for what they call strategic human resources. And so they were very big on human resources being more than just an administrative function, Mm -hmm. but really being part of the business and business leadership. And so that's the program that I decided to pursue for my graduate degree. And I ended up getting that last year. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. Yes. I'm very excited and happy with it. Yeah. It will. And it's so, cause that's a totally online program, right? Correct. Yes. And so that ended up being perfect given what the last couple of years were like, um, mm-hmm. when you already were in that space learning virtually. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It actually worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes things happen. You don't know why at the time, but there it is. Yeah. Um, So I know a lot of people ask me, okay, I'm making a career change is a total pivot for me. How the heck do I get that first job? How do I prove? I mean, a degree definitely helps, of course, but if I'm up against other people who have already been in this role, how do I show, how do I show up for that conversation? So what did you find your experiences to be as you were applying for some of those first HR jobs? Yeah. So my initial experiences were a lot of walls, to be honest. I started applying 
And before I went on LinkedIn and I had a recruiter tell me, I don't see what this has to do with HR. And I remember feeling like really defeated. I was like, well, I, you know, I, I know my experience has something to do with human resources. And so I ended up continuing with my graduate degree. And towards the end was when in July, uh, we were in the pandemic. And so I realized that job searching was going to be very different than how I usually did it, which was just going on a job board, applying on Indeed or, or whatnot. And so I think for people who are making that career change, you just have to do the inner work first. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds weird, but you really have to get centered in what you want and why. Because if you are not certain or if you come across as unsure of why you're making this change, recruiters, hiring managers, they're going to pick up on yes. it. And that can honestly really wreck your interview because they want somebody who is going, who knows what they want, who is sure about this career change. And it could be a great addition to this company. And so I think the biggest thing that I learned through that journey was you really have to get certain with yourself. You really have to get certain with what you want and you really have to understand the why behind this career change. And you have to stand firm in it. Sometimes people aren't going to like it and that's okay. That's a company you're not going to want to work for at the end of the day. Um, But as long as you know what you want and you know that this is what you want to do and the kind of company you'd like to work for, it'll all work out. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. Um, A couple of workshops ago, we were talking about how to tell your story of like your, especially your change story. And Mm -hmm. one of the recruiters on the call gave very similar advice around, even if you aren't ready yet, you have to, before you get out there and networking, you have to be ready with your story. Because Mm -hmm. if a recruiter feels the least bit of uncertainty or lack of confidence or um, not a lot of clarity and how those dots, you have to tie the dots together for them. So if you can't do it, they're not going to believe you and they're not going to take a risk on you. Um, and so I think to your point, while you want to make sure you're finding the right company for, for yourself, and if a company's not willing to take a risk on you, that may not be the best place for you anyway. Um, you also have to be ready to help Mm -hmm. them take a risk on you. Exactly. It's a relationship. I think sometimes we think that, you know, as job seekers, or job changers that we are waiting to get chosen, but we're also doing the choosing and vice versa. So it's just that mutual relationship. Yeah. So who took the first risk on you? Like what was your first HR (laughs) job? Someone did. (laughs) So I ended up working uh, for an HR consultant, uh, consultancy, Assemble HR, Jill Katz. She is the founder of that consultancy and she's amazing. She allowed me to come on as an HR coordinator, took that chance on me. And uh, for a few months I was there and it was actually through relationships that I ended up as an HR generalist uh, at RAP. I met somebody on a virtual networking event. We stayed connected on LinkedIn. I spoke with her. We, I was actually on her podcast and she was watching me without me knowing it. And then when this <laughs> position opened, she, she wanted me to come there and it, and it ended up working out as far as, you know, where I was with my personal life and things like that. And I decided to take her up on it. That's awesome. Okay. It's a couple of things I want to follow up there. Cause it's a, it's an amazing story that I think you kind of glossed over. So <laughs> you, did you reach out to Jill or how did you and Jill first connect? 
Yeah, so I actually connected with her through um, Kyle Elliott. He mm-hmm. is a career coach and resume writer. And he told me about Assemble, the Assemble Network. And mm-hmm. it was a my first virtual online event, really. It, it's basically like a leadership and networking uh, program. And I really grew throughout that program because when I first started, it is nerve wracking. I've never done virtual networking. In fact, I've never networked before July of 2020. It just always made me feel a little weird. I never really learned about networking. I never learned about the importance of of like LinkedIn and business relationships. So I was pretty much starting from scratch and I started at Assemble Network, ended up building a lot of wonderful relationships with professionals across all industries and disciplines And from there, my confidence grew and I ended up joining LinkedIn on a a more regular basis and showing up there. That's great. I think the thing that is so important as part of that story is getting outside of your comfort zone. If you're going to make the leap Mm -hmm. and do a career change, that's already uncomfortable. So push yourself a little bit further and, you know, ask around, talk to people, find people that are clearly connected to other folks. Like if you go to LinkedIn and they've got all these connections or they're posting a lot, that means that they are connected in the space. And so find Mm -hmm. those people and they are usually more than welcome to make some introductions. Um, But I agree, you know, the, the virtual piece, it's tricky. Networking can feel kind of if that's not your personality. (laughs) Um, Cause I think people think of it as like handing out business cards and over cocktails or something like Mm -hmm. easy. And it doesn't have to be, it can be joining this small group that Jill does every month to give people a chance to meet other people and focus on their development. And through that, you are also networking. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think it, again, it's just relationships. It's all about how you want to show up for others and how you're going to show up for yourself. And so I think the hardest part is just showing up in the first place. But once you do, and once you are again, firm in who you are and what you believe in and why you're there, it'll all work out. Yeah. And I I feel like you're going through my checklist of things I tell people to do. (laughs) And so then you're also on a podcast. Um, Were you talking about like your journey into HR and that kind of stuff? Exactly. Yeah. I, I ended up on a podcast where I talked about why I wanted to go into HR, what led me there. And from there, I built a relationship with Carla Patton, who's now my supervisor at RAP. And I, it allowed me to really just continue on in the, the path that I was trying to get to in the first place. Yeah. Well, and the thing that I love about that is that even though it's obviously early in your career, you're putting yourself out there as a thought leader, as someone who wants to be in this community. I think, you know, a lot of times as people are making shifts, they still see themselves as the thing they used to be versus representing mm-hmm. themselves as the thing they want to be. So you are on a podcast about HR and yet you had kind of just started your HR career. So that shows mm-hmm. that you were like putting yourself out there in the new lens and the new brand of what you wanted people to see you as, which is great. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. I think sometimes we, I know that when I began my career journey, uh, one of the things that I would tell myself a lot is, well, I don't have experience. And I hear that from like a lot of people who are trying to transition, whether it's in HR or other spaces is, well, who am I to say anything? I've never mm-hmm. been in this space, but at the end of the day, we've all been in spaces that matter. And whether it's HR specific, whether it's your own unique discipline specific, your past experience still matters. It made you into the professional person you are today. And if you don't own that, nobody else is. And so I think it's important to just remember that experience doesn't always have to be literal. It can be 
whatever your life experience, lived experience, whatever you want it to be, you can make it. Yeah. No, I think that's so true. And and it kind of ties back to the confidence piece, right? It's, Mm -hmm. we're not asking you to lie. We're not asking you to say things that aren't true, but if you present yourself with the confidence of I'm an HR person, people will see you as an HR person. And so it it starts to tie everything together. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so we kind of alluded to earlier, uh, some of the pieces of the, the path or whatever metaphor you want to use were actually being placed throughout the years, even though you didn't realize it. What's some of the stuff that you're now doing in your current HR role that ha- was building on all those things that you've experienced, even if, if it wasn't known at the time? So I think, you know, a lot of HR is being able to connect with people mm-hmm. and it can be through the smallest interactions, whether it's email or it's video, or just a simple introduction. And so I feel like all of my experiences, whether it was being a resident assistant in college or doing police dispatching uh, or customer service type jobs really helped prepare me for that. And I think, you know, the police side really helped me to understand how to prioritize Mm. and um, how to look at things from a strategic and almost a tactical level at times as well. Um, because that's important and you have to be able to kind of look at things with that worldview. And I, yeah, I think, you know, so much of my past really helped make me into a a well-rounded professional. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and now that you are, you know, sort of in your second HR job, what do you like most about it? Like what's, you don't have to obviously without revealing anything about the company or anything that's inappropriate, (laughs) like what's a project that you're working on and what's something you've really enjoyed so far in your role? I really liked the ability to understand how we can make the employee experience better. Mm. And whether that's understanding, you know, why people are leaving, what keeps them there, um, looking at data to understand where we are within the market. Um, It's just really fascinating and also empowering to know that you have the ability to help make a workplace better and help employees feel like they are appreciated or to help understand how we can, as a company, move forward in a way that keeps the employees within the workplace. Yeah, that's great. Well, and it ties back to everything you were talking about earlier. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense that that's the thing that you've enjoyed working on the most. Um, Well, and I think it's also interesting too, because sometimes employees see HR as sort of this this other group, even in the best of companies, right? Like you're still in HR, but to be able Mm -hmm. to say, I've been an employee somewhere. I have been a non-HR employee somewhere. I know how it feels when, you know, things aren't going well or when programs do connect with employees and that experience is so special. So you kind of have both perspectives as you're talking to folks. Mm-hmm, exactly. Very cool. Excellent. Well, you've dropped a lot of great advice along the way, but as you either reflect back on your career or as you think about what you want to make sure people walk away with, what's like one final piece of advice that you want to make sure people can take with them and start enacting tomorrow? I would say that people really have to just stand in their own power. I think sometimes we are so focused on everything that we don't have, whether it's a degree, experience, time that we tend to overlook everything that we've already accomplished. So my goal for people listening to this is to realize that you have things that matter in your background. You have things that matter as a person and to really own them because once you start owning who you are, where you come from, what you have to offer, there's not really much that can get in your way. Sure. You might face some setbacks. There will always be rejection, 
But once you stand in your own power and you know what you're worth, a lot of things will open up for you in the best of ways. And sometimes it's just about owning it and having the confidence to step forward as the person you want to be. That is very powerful. And I'm pretty sure the title of this episode was somewhere in there. So (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time sharing your story you know, the ups and the downs and the the walls that you hit uh, and the ways that you sort of powered through them. And so we'll include your bio and your your social information, obviously, but um, what's the best way for people to connect with you if they're just listening and haven't seen the show notes yet? I would say probably LinkedIn. I believe my email's on there uh, just because I'm a little bit behind with starting this new job. So if I don't <laughs> answer right away, um, feel free to send me an email. That is totally fair. She will get back to you at some point. Just chill out. (laughs) Well, thank you again. I really enjoyed having you on the show and sharing your story. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Shine at Work podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Leaving a review just takes a few minutes and truly helps other people find the podcast. If you want to learn more about how I work with people to help them transform their careers and shine brightly in their lives, please visit karendweeks.com and follow us on Instagram at kdwcoaching underscore careers or join our Facebook group with the same name. And thank you as always to Astronaut Go Home for our music. Until next time, remember that you can and deserve to shine at work.